What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Friday Pick 6 Podcast. It is, if I can bring up my phone, Friday, May the 3rd. Wow. The off-season hurdles on. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Hope you like the new intro music. We haven't, got a, haven't really got a single tweet about people that like the new intro music. Um, our guest today, Heath Cummings, didn't hear it. But I, I would think that he would like it because it's more country and funk. Before I get to Heath, and we're going to do a full rundown of uh, what, what biggest winners and losers from the draft in terms of a fantasy perspective, as well as rookie drafts. And there will be some beer talk, a lot, maybe a lot of beer talk. Uh, I want to point out that this weekend is the Kentucky Derby. And you want to win money on the Kentucky Derby. And if you want to do that, there's no better way than on Sportsline.com. Hammer and Hank Goldberg. Yes, that Hammer and Hank. He's been around for a while. He's the boss. He's a legend, a Hall of Fame gambler. He goes straight to the source to get his winning horse racing picks. Last year, he was all over Justify early after talking to a timer out of California. Who is Hammer all over this year in the Kentucky Derby? Visit Sportsline.com and click on Kentucky Derby to see his picks for this year's Derby. Use promo code Derby to get your first month of picks for just $1. Go to Sportsline.com and follow what Hammer and Hank gives you. Heath Cummings, back on the program for the first time in, in five months. You did the entire season with us. Uh, I missed you, pal. I hope you had a great off season. Um, and now, really, but now you don't get to really do a full, you, you, you have to condense your off season in January and February because you also do fantasy baseball. Yeah, what I generally do, like, I, I do some January, February stuff, and then, like, the week before the draft, the right. two weeks before the draft, it is just, like, finals week in college. I just cram, 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 and it's probably a good time before I talk about too much rookies. I, I lean on Matt Waldman and Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio heavy, and he puts out hundreds of pages of information along with links to no, videos no 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 no. it's not hundreds Th- thousands it's, it's thousands the rookie it's, portfolio was like 1100 pages this year well that's still hundreds though right because it's not 2000 so it can't be thousands that's actually a great point it's 11 <laughs> it's 1100 it's not, <laughs> but but then the thing i love the most is it's like every, every player has got a couple links in there to where you can go watch him breaking down the, and so i have spent like my rankings are not matt waldman's rankings they're, they're way different but that's where i get that helps me cram quickly. Yeah, and look, the reality is that when it comes to fantasy and the NFL and the rookies that, that move on into the NFL, is that a, a lot of it is about who they are and what kind of player they are. But situations matter too. You and I, um, you and I pointed out how we loved Nick Chubb before Nick Chubb got an opportunity to really run with the Browns as their starting running back. Matt Waldman, we referenced Matt Waldman. He was the highest graded running back, I believe. That Matt Wallman had ever, had ever put a score on and lo and behold, he ends up breaking out. And, uh, and now he's actually a pretty good value in drafts, I think, as a second round pick. Um, but that's either here or there. Well, it's, it is kind of here and here. Maybe so. Maybe here is and there. Is it here and here? Because yeah. this year there was a wide receiver that was the highest graded wide receiver he'd ever graded. There was. And he also went to a spot where you wonder if there's enough opportunity at the beginning of the season. I thought this draft for me personally, because I did come up with a, a ranking of the rookies before the draft. And in the 10 years that I've been doing this, I thought it was the most difficult mm. because the NFL teams this year did not value the players in many cases in the same way that I did. And it is like opportunity is king in fantasy football. But when you're talking about dynasty rankings, that opportunity is going to change two or three times over the next five years. And so melding the NFL opinion of these players with my priors and with 
the, the research that Waldman had done. It, it's been it's been a challenge the last week. Well, and I think part of the problem too is that just like this actual draft class, this fantasy rookie class is full of a lot of good players, very few great players, and it, it's there's just so like in talk you know talking. Going into people would be like, so where do you think this guy's going to go in the draft? I'm like, look, I'll be honest with you, you know that that's somebody that could go in the top 15 picks, and he could go in the top 75 picks because that's just how deep this class is. And it ended up being true. Akeem Butler, a guy that potentially could have been a late first round pick, fell to the fourth round to the Cardinals. Uh, in Keel Harry, who could have been a third round pick, went in the first round of the Patriots. Um, Calvin Harmon, who I thought could be a high second round pick, went in the sixth round to the Redskins. So, I mean, they were all over the map in terms of how they valued these skill position guys. Did see a big run on wide receivers and running backs in, in the second and third round. So, um, I'm curious, who is your biggest winner out of the NFL draft, and it doesn't have to be a rookie. It can be um, a quarterback. Or it can be anybody. Who's your biggest winner? I mean, I think the first one that's in the NFL would have to be Marlon Mack, mm. just because the Colts did not really do anything to challenge him. And I feel much more confident in him, while probably not being a true feature back in Indianapolis. I don't think any running backs getting 300 touches there, being the definitive lead back. And that's a very, very valuable role when Andrew Luck is your quarterback. I think the biggest rookie winner has to be Mecole Hardman. Mm. And he is a guy that's caused me a lot of pain over the last week because you watch his highlight tape. And if you don't watch anything but his highlight tape, he looks a lot like Tyreek Hill. He makes the same types of plays. Tyreek Hill is likely, I think probably, gone from the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. Now, Hold on. Well, let's, I want to touch on that because you are a Chiefs fan. Um yes. And I, I mean, look, there's football and at some point, I mean, like, I mean, as a, as a, as an analyst, you don't want to bring your morals into it too much. Right. Yep. But as a fan, it's, it's hard not to do that. Um, you know, and just looking at the situation as a, you know, human being, a parent, it is difficult to conceptualize a world in which if all of this stuff is true, that the Chiefs could justify keeping Tyreek Hill, right? I, I think that. I think the, the whole system is a little bit messed up, and it's what's caused the Chiefs to not cut him yet. I think they are irritated, um, and just from things that I've read, obviously I don't have any contacts or sources, but I think they're irritated over the Kareem Hunt thing and the fact that they cut Kareem Hunt right after the news came out, and now one of their competitors in the AFC is going to have him in the second half of the season in the playoffs. Mm. Well, and it's like um... – you know, it's like the, uh, it's also like the, the 49ers with the Reuben Foster situation. They cut, uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was like a fourth round pick that was arrested for a domestic violence style incident. Cut it within like 30 seconds. We're like, we don't tolerate this. And then Reuben Foster, their first round pick, is, and they're like, we want to see how the investigation plays out. And I think for the Chiefs too, they know that they can replace Kareem Hunt. They did it with Damian Williams. They can't replace Tyreek Hill. I mean, the, the, yeah, not now. Like the closest they tried is Miko Hardman, but I agree with you. I think Miko Hardman is a guy that they look at as okay. We're probably losing Tyreek Hill. We're gonna have to figure out this offense with Mahomes, Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, and, and and Travis Kelsey now. Yeah, and I I don't know. I don't feel confident that Hardman in year one is going to have success in that role because he is raw. <laughs> he does a lot of things the wrong way, but the opportunity is so enormous that I think he has to be the biggest winner. I'm with you on that. Um, who else, uh, who else makes your list? I, I mean, 
I, I think there's a the, – here's the interesting thing about the wide receivers, and we'll rank them later on, but as, for as much as they fell and they didn't get op- – you know, it's like, well, you know, like these guys just aren't very valued by NFL teams. A lot of them did land in spots where they could end up seeing a lot of target opportunities or at least early on, if not later on in the year, on some of these NFL teams. Like Paris Campbell is going to a high-octane offense – in the Colts. And to me, he's one of the big winners, especially when you hear Frank Wright talk about him. It's clear that this is a Frank Wright guy, and he wants to utilize him uh, in ways that the Ohio State Buckeyes did not. Yeah, I think Campbell's definitely a big winner as far as the rookies go. As far, Guys that are already in the league, I think Lamar Jackson was a huge winner because he got two receivers who have different skill sets who could both be very good in the NFL in Hollywood Brown and mm-hmm. I mean, got, I'm oh my god, I forget his name. Blank. I, I, uh, Boykin, Boykin. Boykin. And, Miles, and Boykin. Miles, Miles Boykin, yeah. And Boykin is actually a big receiver. Give him a, another good red zone target. I I am still of the belief that Lamar Jackson's a better passer than we saw in his rookie year, and he can do more things than they asked him to do in the passing game. And the maybe more than anything, the fact that they spent a first and a third round pick on those two guys tells me they probably don't want to run the ball two thirds of the time. Maybe they want to run at 55% of the time, but they're not devoting those sorts of assets to those receivers that early in the draft if they don't want to throw it all. It's interesting, too, that the type of receivers they got in Miles Boykin and Marquise Brown are very different than the type of receivers you would see Ozzie Newsome draft or sign. Ozzie Newsome liked crafty veterans, um, you know, bigger body, maybe red zone guys. And it looks like Eric DaCosta at least is sort of modernizing their approach to wide receiver evaluation by getting some twitchy guys like Boykin and Brown, which I think bodes very well for Lamar Jackson. I, I think Brown, I know people are like, well, he'll never catch any balls. I think Brown ends up seeing a, uh, ends up helping Lamar Jackson spike his completion percentage by being a line of scrimmage type of receiver. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because I actually liked Boykin just a little bit more in oh. terms of, but that kind of goes along with what we saw in the NFL draft. They did not really care how big you were. This year. I mean, it was the big guys that fell, and that makes sense to a certain extent with some offenses. But I think, like Brown, may have twenty more catches than Boykin, and Boykin may score more five more touchdowns. Sure. Uh, and look, Brown is a guy who's going to have like five touchdowns, and all five of them are going to be twenty-five plus yards, right? Yeah. Uh, he's just a burner. Um, who else hits your list in terms of what? To Josh, uh, we. I mentioned him later on in the rundown that I sent you, but how is Josh Jacobs not a winner too? I am conflicted on Josh Jacobs. He's not my number one overall rookie. Wow. Um, And that's very unique here at CBS. Yes. Um, Looking at the Fantasy Pros expert rankings, I think there are now four different players that are ranked number one. Two days ago there were six, but people are starting to come back to the pack and just try to not look silly, I think. uh, But – I think it's a good situation. What's going to determine if it's a great situation are a couple of things. One, can this actually be a good offense? Mm -hmm. Like, can they run the ball more than 400 times, or are they going to be so far behind that they're extremely pass-heavy? And then two, when they are passing the ball, is he on the field? Because Jalen Richard got 81 targets last year. Jalen Richard's still there. I think Jalen Richard's pretty good in that role. If they're going to make Jacobs the true feature back, then, yeah, I think this is a huge win. I'm just not 100% sold that's the case. And I'm a little bit leery, and I think most people don't really care too much about this. I'm a little bit leery at his lack of usage in Alabama. It wasn't because he's not good enough, 
but it also is true that we've not seen him hold up to that type of workload over a full year either. That's that's a good point. I mean, like you're like, well, he has no tread on his tires. It's like, well, we don't know that he can be a full time back. Like, I mean, the, the, you know, there's some yeah, there's some give and take there for sure. When it comes to young guys, I would rather have the guy that has the tread on the tires. I don't think that getting 300 in touches in college makes you an injury risk in the NFL. I think it means you can hold up to 300 touches. I'm just thinking back on John Gruden's time pre prior. You know, he had Marshawn Lynch obviously and Jalen Richard last year, but I mean, he wasn't. I don't feel like he was somebody that necessarily had a had a bell cow, right? I mean, like if you look at it, like Charlie Garner had 211 carries. I mean, they they leaned on the short passing game more than they leaned on the running game in Oakland in his first tenure. And then I guess you could say that you know they had Cadillac Williams, of course, who they drafted high, and then they 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 force fed him a ton. But I mean, it's not like John Gruden has a history of cranking out 1500 yard backs on a on a regular basis in his offense. No, he has a lot of thousand yard backs. I think Jacobs will be a thousand yard back, but I a I thousand just, I, a thousand yards isn't that much in it's not that in a sixteen game season. I mean, it's just not. No, if you play 16 games and get a 1,000 yards on the nose, then you were probably bad. Yeah, well, I mean, although in, in 2019, you might be a low-end RB1, given how... <laughs> I mean, like, Leonard Fournette was a like like an RB1 his rookie year, and he had, you know, it was the touchdowns that help, of course. Um, interesting, though. So who, uh, not just, who's your number one, then? I mean, I... No, I, I can spoil it, because it's out on CBS Sports now. You can actually go read. I've got top 40 rookie rankings. I've got top 50 to 80, depending on the position, overall dynasty rankings for all four major positions. My number one running back and number one overall pick is David Montgomery. Wow. And I think if you, wow. I like, I like Montgomery a lot. I like that reeling, I like that reeling meme, dude. <laughs> like flailing back. I just assumed you were going to say in kill Harry. Go on, go on. I think Montgomery and Jacobs have similar profiles. Montgomery has shown us that he can handle that type of workload. Neither of these guys are burners, but I, I've seen more from Montgomery in the passing game. And yes, it's true he's going to have to share with Tariq Cohen. But if you look back at what happened last year, the first six games of the season, Marshawn Lynch averaged about 17 touches a game. The next 10 games for the Raiders, Doug Martin averaged about 17 touches a game. Last year for the Bears, Jordan Howard averaged about 17 touches a game. I don't know that the usage for Jacob is going to be any more than it is for Montgomery. Montgomery's on an offense that's actually good and an offense that ran the ball almost 100 more times than the Bears did last year or the Raiders did last year. That's look, you're not wrong. And I think one of the problems too, when you look at the Bears is we're like, well, they got rid of Jordan Howard because they have Tariq Cohen. Not exactly. I mean, Tariq Cohen, who I love and I think is going to be a very big focal point of that Bears offense, that Chicago offense is still a guy that is more gimmick and gadget and move around. Um, I mean, he's almost closer to like Tyreek Hill than he is to Kareem Hunt. Right. And the Raiders did use a first round pick on Jacobs, but the Bears didn't have hardly any draft picks at all and still traded up to get Montgomery in the third. And there was already been speculation in the Chicago Tribune that Tariq Cohen may actually get fewer carries this year because they drafted Montgomery. He might get more targets, but fewer carries. I was going to ask where uh, Montgomery went in the mock draft that we did, but I'm not allowed to talk about that mock draft. So no, um, I won't ask. But I I do think that if you are, for whatever reason, I would say – that Montgomery in a rookie draft right now is going to be the fifth guy taken max in the expert rankings. The current top five are Jacobs one, Harry two, Sanders, Sanders three, three yeah. Montgomery four and Metcalf five. Wow. 
So you would take you have Jacobs two, Metcalf three, Harry four, Hakeem Butler five, and then Debo Samuel six. Um, the, part of the problem too is I think in Dynasty, like it's great to be able to get wide receivers, but you have to be able to be patient with those wide receivers. They're, they're probably 2014 was an outlier. These guys don't break out in their first year usually. I right. don't I don't know that we see anybody who's going to have a monster first season out of that wide receiver court. Maybe if Doug Baldwin leaves, then DK Metcalf could end up being a monster. It, well, the problem is even if Doug Baldwin leaves, how many targets really are are there in Seattle? Uh, I mean they I don't think that they're going to increase their pass rate a bunch next year because they kind of think what they did last year worked. I, I think but, I um, think they might decrease their pass rate I mean, <laughs> based on their personnel and what they've done. From but from Metcalf's perspective, especially, I don't know that I expect a whole lot of out of him as a rookie. But he obviously has enormous upside because of what he can do. He has arguably the, the first or second best deep ball passer in the NFL when they do let him throw it. And I don't believe long term that this plan in Seattle is going to succeed. So I expect it will change. I, I do think that we could see like I I think DK Metcalf is a guy next year who. I wouldn't be surprised if his numbers were similar to what they were at, at Ole Miss. It's like 26 catches, 700 yards, and, and like eight touchdowns. Or something. Just something. Right. And he only played in six, games, six or eight games, so it's, that's unlikely. But I just think that what they're going to use DK Metcalf as is a take-the-top-off play-action guy who Russell hits. Um, he's not going to be running comeback routes and move, cutting laterally as a playground-style receiver for Russell Wilson. That just feels unlikely to me. But, I mean, he's so big and so strong and so fast on a straight line that, that the play-action fit for him in Seattle makes a ton of sense. And, and where they got him, he's a steal. And the only other guy, if Doug Baldwin leaves, that he has to really contend with is, is Tyler Lockett, maybe David Moore. Right, and Tyler Lockett is just – like his efficiency is incredible. He's already kind of the. Russell Wilson had a had a perfect passer rating to Tyler Lockett last year. It's, it's but almost... he had what seven? You go and look at his player page. Tyler Lockett's had between sixty six and seventy one targets all four years of his NFL career. It's incredible. Most good fantasy receivers have seventy catches, yeah. much less seventy yeah. targets. Yeah, yeah. He's never had. Yeah, seventy one is his max in two thousand and seventeen. And his catch, he has a 70.3 catch percentage for his career. That is bananas. Oh my God. Last year he had 13.8 yards per target. Just throwing the ball a little bit more often, maybe. I mean, he could really, I mean, he's still, he'll be 20. He just turned. He's getting ready to turn 27, right? He turns 27 in September. He's a, is he a breakout candidate? Is that possible at his? I, Oh, I think he, he's been a perpetual breakout candidate, but I don't know why I would expect they're going to throw him the ball more than 75 times. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, 965 yards and 10 touchdowns is a pretty good season for him <laughs> last year. God, 81.4 catch percentage. That's insane. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know that DK Metcalf is a guy that you can pl- like draft expecting to play, even if Doug Baldwin's gone next year. Um, if you were – so you would take Metcalf, though, over Harry and Butler, even though Harry and Butler probably have better offensive setups in terms of volume. I don't know what to feel about Harry uh, at all. I know like he, for a while, at, right after the draft, was the consensus number one overall, and he'll go number one in a lot of drafts. And it's the Patriots, but we've not seen the Patriots devote this type of resource to receiver. And when we have seen the Patriots draft receiver, they've mostly been terrible. And Julian Edelman's still there. 
I don't know that I expect that Tom Brady to be there longer than Julian Edelman is. <laughs> James White's still there right now. There's a 40% chance Josh Gordon's there this year? Uh, maybe 25 is it 25? 30. Uh, I'll give so, 33 and a half. 33, <laughs> 33 and a half. But I, I just, I don't know. I'm not as excited about Harry in that offense. I expect the Patriots are going to run the ball a lot. I expect Julian Edelman's going to get a ton of targets. They're going to dump the ball off to James White. Harry's very good at like back shoulder throws and making plays in traffic. Tom Brady throws to wide open receivers. Yep. He does not throw the ball unless it's Gronk. I don't think Harry's Gronk. I heard somebody say that they think like Harry could be part of the the way to replace Gronk, but I I think when you look at this team and the way what they have done this off season, or at least you know in the draft and not not as much in free agency, but I mean they drafted Yadni Kajust and Yolta Froholt, Game of Thrones champion uh, as offensive linemen, been the third and fourth round. Um, they have Isaiah Wynn, Joe Tooney, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, and Marcus Cannon all coming back. They add Austin Sperry and Jenkins, who is a better run blocker than he is a pass catcher. And they added Damian Harris in the third round. This screams everyone is passing and we are going to pound the rock all season long and be a run-heavy team that tries to grind out 12 wins and then uh, and then just you know steal the division and get hot in the playoffs like we did last year. I think that's their formula. Do you disagree? I think that's exactly right. Now, because we think that, they're probably going to throw seven. <laughs> Tom Brady. Tom Brady throws 90, 92 touchdown passes just <laughs> just to in-keel Harry. That would that would actually fit. Um, what about losers? Do you have a loser? Or I mean, if you have more winners, by the way, throw them out. But uh, losers from the from the NFL draft? No, the only other winner I'd say real quick was Kyler Murray. We knew he was going to Arizona, but the fact that they drafted a couple of receivers to go with him, so it's not Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, and nobody else. I. I'm, I hope this works. It's either going to be awesome or it's going to be the biggest dumpster fire we've ever seen. There's I'm not no, sure. there's no middle ground here. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like Cliff Kingsbury going out on, like on a Friday night. Like he's not, he's not settling in for, you know, a five. He's going 10. He's going boom or bust. And I think that's what his offense will be. Uh, Jordan Howard, obviously a big loser because yeah. I don't think he's going to be able to hold off Miles Sanders for, the number one job he'll probably like they don't have kind of like Indianapolis they're not going to give somebody 300 touches but I thought Howard might get 250 this year and now he might get 100 so he's probably going to be largely irrelevant in fantasy I I think Corey Davis is a loser Mm. just because with AJ Brown there as well and I think Davis is probably more talented than AJ Brown I did like Brown a lot I still don't believe they're going to be a pass heavy team they already have Delaney Walker there I think it maybe got too crowded, and this Davis could still be a low-end number two receiver, but the number one upside feels like it's gone. Uh, Mike Davis was a sleeper a lot of people were getting excited about before this draft. I think David Montgomery crushes him. Yeah. I, the Corey Davis thing is weird. It's like, are they are they getting a guy in A.J. AJ Brown who is the a compliment to Corey Davis, or is this an acknowledgment that the Corey Davis – gamble didn't work out for them and they have to go find a different wide receiver one what's your thought on that yeah i don't know because they also when gave money to adam humphreys yeah yeah like like maybe i should be saying the same thing i said about baltimore and this means they want to pass the ball more they've got an offensive coordinator that really the only thing i know about him is his dad runs fedex wait what arthur's yes. dad runs fedex yes 
I didn't know what that's weird. How did he get to Teddy become a football coach? He has been a Titans position coach for like the last 10 years through like six regimes. Mm. And I don't know how that might happen for someone. (laughs) (laughs) I do. (laughs) Let's Google Titans FedEx sponsorship. (laughs) Um, Interesting. Huh? Partnership with NFL. This is on FedEx's blog. Partnership with NFL helps transition new veterans. Um, oh yeah, wait. Are they, their field? No, the field's Nissan Stadium. There's, mo- FedEx has a lot of partnerships with the NFL. <laughs> that would, that would be, uh, that would be one way. Um, but anyway, the first quote I saw about what he believes as a, an offensive philosophy was actually from his dad. Someone interviewed the CEO of FedEx about the Titans offensive game plan. And he talks a lot about running the football. What is happening here? This is, I, I, I mean, I need to do my due diligence on this guy too. Wait, his biography, have you read his biography on Titan, on TitansOnline.com? Here's his dad runs FedEx. The, the Tennessee Titans promoted Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator from his, surely there's a read more. Okay. Okay. Thank God. It was like, it was literally one paragraph. It was just like they promoted him and to Matt LaFleur who left. Um, he was a defensive quality control coach when he joined the coaching staff in 2011. Oi, oi, oi. I think he, I think he was a tight ends coach for a little while. He was an offensive lineman at UNC. Born and raised in Memphis. No kidding. Um, mm. I have taken this completely off the rails. No, I think this is important. I mean, now I have major concerns about the Titans as a whole. What's the, ah, what's the resume here? Assistant tight ends coach. <laughs> this is yeah. a this is a this is a red flag, right, Heath? <laughs> oh yes, I have I have great concerns. And as someone <laughs> who the first thing that I do when I'm doing my projections is go through the head coach and offensive coordinator pairings to determine how much they're going to run, how much they're going to pass, what positions will they use? Yeah. <laughs> and I, my choices here are Mike Vrabel and Arthur Smith. <laughs> Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, didn't uh, FedEx Ground Player of the Week, or I guess it is FedEx yeah. Air. Oh my God, that's the that's the promotion. They have the FedEx Grounded Air Player of the Week. FedEx pays like fifty million dollars to the NFL every year. Oh man. Okay, I don't want to knock. I look, I don't want. Maybe he'll be good. He looks like somebody I'd hang out with, honestly. Like a, like at a, at a brewery. He probably likes craft beer. Uh, definitely. He he looks like somebody who likes IPAs. Um. Okay. All right. That. I'm I'm now rethinking my whole I like the Titans this year uh mindset. Any other any other losers besides uh Arthur Smith for getting <laughs> randomly gaslit on this podcast on on in early May? <laughs> I think that covers it. <laughs> um what uh what second tier running back would you say this is a kind of a list I cobbled together of guys that if you go wide receiver early, you might be looking at running back. Uh, which one maybe got the biggest bump in your eyes? Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Marlon Mack, or Carrion Johnson? And maybe Dalvin's an outlier there because I think he might go a little bit earlier than those other guys. Yeah, I mean, if you're this is he is not my favorite, but I think the guy that got the biggest bump for sure is Marlon Mack. Okay. I mean, the Jags did add a guy. Um, who can do a lot of the things Fournette does. I, I like the new backup running back in Minnesota, Alexander Madison. I'm really afraid he's going to steal you, touchdowns. You do. He is a finisher. He can, he can handle, if they, if you were telling me from this draft, they want to add someone to take the Latavius Murray mm. pound when we're up two scores and run into the end zone from the two yard line. 
I would have said they're going to take Madison or they're going to take Benny Snell. And they took Madison. A, plot, so, a plotter who knows how to move a pile. And I think he's a little more, like I, I think he's a little more than a plotter, but not much. So yeah, I, I think that might be bad for Cook's touchdown total. Mm. I will say this, I like, and uh, people know this and won't be surprised by it, this is the pick of Garrett Bradbury. Um, I, but I, I do think in all seriousness, Garrett Bradbury at NC State last year, 90% of his snaps in the run game were zone, zone blocking sch- yeah. schematic stuff. Um, the, the Vikings hired Gary Kubiak as an offensive guru. He's not their OC or anything. Kevin Stefanski is. Uh, but you would, one would presume that they're going to run that zone blocking offense that Gary Kubiak likes. And that's what Dalvin Cook operated in in college. I think that this is a real big boost for Dalvin Cook in terms of, um, how he's going to be able to run in that offense. And, and Bradbury there at center kicks Pat Elfline to left guard. I think the offensive line is a little bit better. And I think Kubiak has done a good job in his career at being able to fashion together quality offensive lines without actually having the talent there, uh, because they, they can, you know, you can, you can get guys who run that scheme. So from that perspective, I think Cook is a, is a, is a sneaky winner, even though I agree with you with that Madison thing that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Cook did win on an efficiency basis. And I don't yeah. think he lost anything with Madison. It just, he didn't gain what we were hoping he would gain from Latavius Murray leaving. Right. Maybe. But, but Mac for me is the pretty easy biggest winner just because there's, there's not competition I'm worried about. Um, okay, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and, uh, cover some more rookie stuff and maybe talk about a little bit of beer. I got a beer I'm excited to tell you about. Um, but, uh, we'll do that right after this break. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, back with Heath Cummings on the Pick 6 Podcast here. I don't know why I did that. I did a reset. I never do a reset. That's very weird. Um, people don't – you don't do resets. You do resets in radio but not in on you know, podcasts because well, – I think – I liked it. I thought it was like a good it. reset. Okay. Well, they, they have they, – they go with long commercial. I don't know if you listen to our commercials or ads on our podcast. Like yours too. Like they're yes. they're long. I mean, thank God we've gotten away from Azure Live Reads, by the way. Oh, I listen to all of them and I go buy all of the things that I are do, on them. Yeah, I do too. That's a great point. Uh, blank – will lead all rookies in receiving yards in 2019. 
I just saw that question, so I pulled up my projections. I have two rookie receivers projected for the same number of yards. It's 768, so it's not a big number. I don't think any any rookie receiver uh, deserves a projection over 800 receiving yards, but Paris Campbell and Marquise Brown are tied at 768. Paris Campbell and Marquise Brown? Yes. Wow. Okay. So Marquise Brown on the Fantasy Pros rankings is 8th, and Paris Campbell is 7th. So you think there's actually pretty good value in those guys in rookie drafts? I like them... Both of those guys I like better compared to this class their first year than I necessarily do long-term. Okay, but then maybe you like Harry and Butler and Metcalf over the long-term. Exactly, yes. You're just looking at opportunity here. All right, interesting. And remember, 768 yards is not a lot. That's not, it's not good. I mean, I, I don't have a rookie wide receiver in my top 40 receivers for 2019. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, the 2014 class spoiled us. Yeah. Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Sammy, even Sammy Watkins was fine. Calvin Benjamin was even good then. Um, over, under, I should have done, uh, uh, blank will lead all rookies in rushing yards in 2019. Montgomery? I think I actually currently have Jacobs projected for more rushing yards this okay. year. How many do you have Jacobs projected for? 1,069. Oh, nice. Um, I had had the over-under was 1,100 I was going to ask you about. So barely under, but 1,069 is pretty good. How many receptions do you have him pegged for? Uh, Just 26. Hmm. So what's that? We're thinking like fourth-round value? Yeah, yeah, right in that range, just right at the cut of a number two running back. Hmm. Are you still more inclined, given what you've seen, with this running back group as a whole and the additions of wide receivers, addition to running backs, movement um, this offseason to go wide receiver, wide receiver, early in drafts? It is entirely dependent on where I'm drafting. Mm. Um, early in the draft, I don't think that makes any sense. Right. Later in the draft, it really can if the elite receivers fall. And I, I think it's going to be interesting because there are definitely going to be four or five running backs that are going to go before all receivers in every yes. draft. Yes. But that next group of running backs this year is doesn't it doesn't seem that everyone thinks they're quite as certain. Like, how do you feel about Le'Veon Bell? How do you feel about Todd Gurley now? How do you feel about Joe Mixon, David Johnson, like Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook? I think a lot of people now are going to be willing to take those receivers over those running backs. So it's basically you're 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 going to be facing a decision of like Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins versus. Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, I mean, maybe the best bet in this year's draft is to be at like 12 and just, ho- you want to be in the back half and just take what comes your way and, and roll with it. As I'm always to- happy to just plan on everyone else being wrong. That's, that's a, that's a good, that's a good rule in life, especially in fantasy uh, football. Um, who is the biggest sleeper out of this wide receiver class? Deepest sleeper. Oh, I thought you were going to say running back, and I had oh, a name. Who's so the biggest? I'll think no. of wide receiver while no. I tell you about the running back. Or go running back, and then you can think of wide receiver. The biggest sleeper in the running back class was not drafted, and he is my favorite sleeper of any position, and that is Bruce Anderson. I totally know where Bruce Anderson went. Yes, you do. And I'll, he is a bigger back that has receiving chops, has already shown that he has – the ability to handle the workload. His competition is Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. Mm -hmm. He is a Tampa kid, 
And I believe he, and I don't know if he's actually put his name on the dotted line, but I believe they actually announced they were signing him before Sunday morning. Wow. That's like it was bizarre. Bruce Anderson's our guy. Okay. Did. And, oh, oh, it was one of those where he's undrafted. It was like, uh, Tyreek, uh, the Buffalo, Tyreek Jackson. It's like literally within five minutes of the draft ending. It's like Tyreek yeah. Jackson signing with Buffalo. He just, he wants to be local. He's not going anywhere. And I feel like Bruce Arians has a pretty good history of being willing to use no name run. Like he doesn't care where you were drafted. Like he doesn't care that Ronald Jones was a second round pick. Right. And Bruce Anderson's the only back on this roster now that Bruce Arians or Bruce Anderson is the only back on this roster that Bruce Arians wanted on this roster. You said that that, you said it right the first time. It's okay, okay, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that's a good point. He didn't he didn't bring in Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones. Um, I, I don't mind, I don't mind Ronald Jones as a flyer in drafts. I think his, I think he's such a, he's a good player. He's a good player. He just didn't, couldn't put it all together as a rookie, but it's a, I don't know if that running back situation is anything you want to be involved in, but I like Anderson as a, uh, as a deep sleeper pull. What about, uh, what about wide receivers? The answer, I would, the uh, answer, Kelvin, Kelvin Harmon Kelvin is the Harman. answer. Thank you. Yes. Kelvin Harmon counts. Yeah. Um, I don't, I like him more than I like Terry McLaurin. And I think there's a chance Dwayne Haskins can be an okay quarterback. Um, and I, Harmon is another guy that just fell much, much further than I thought that he should. So I'm going to hope that I was right and they were wrong. Yeah. Same here. I, I thought he could be a day, a second day two pick like late in the third round, worst case scenario. And by the way, the Redskins did not pick up the fifth year option on Josh Doxson. They announced. So that means that, uh, you know, I mean, he's a guy that is maybe on his last legs as a first-round pick in 2016, and you have Paul Richardson there, Terry McLaurin, and Kelvin Harmon. There's a lot of opportunity. Brian Quick. How is Brian Quick still in the league? Um, you've got a lot of opportunity for, for Kelvin Harmon in Washington, for sure. 100%. Um, okay. Did, uh, did that cover? So if you're doing a rookie draft, you have the – and, in fact, I think I've traded all my first-round picks in all my rookie drafts. I traded them last year. Which I now regret. It felt great at the time. I don't think you should regret it. I don't think so either with this class. And I don't hate, like, I've, I've seen some people tweeting about how they're just going to trade their picks for next year picks. And I don't, I don't hate that either. No, I think that's fine. I don't think you're coming out of this class with a guaranteed star. No. Like, I had this, I had, in our, in our dynasty league that we do with mostly office folks, I would have the seventh that you're the commissioner of. I would have the seventh overall pick in the rookie draft, but I traded it to Robisario. And so, um, I mean, I'll just, I'll live without it, but I'm not sure that seventh pick is, was going to be somebody who I had to have. No. So who would be your top five if you were doing a rookie draft? Uh, Montgomery and Jacobs mm-hmm. at the top, Metcalf and Harry next. Okay. And then Hakeem Butler fifth. And I, I Butler was a roller coaster ride this weekend because I just kept, I, man, you, you had mocked him to the Colts in one of your mocks. In I the first really, round. Yeah. Really excited about that. And then when the Chiefs, he was still there for the Chiefs. I thought, oh, they're going to get Akeem Butler, my favorite receiver, just like they took Patrick Mahomes a couple years ago, and I thought he was going to be so good. And they took Nicole Hardman instead. Mm. And, but then, and it was depressing Friday night, but then Saturday when he was the first pick of Saturday and he went to Arizona with Kyler Murray, and I think he has more upside than, me, than Isabella. I think he has more upside than Christian Kirk. Larry Fitzgerald's about to be gone, and and right now today he can do things that no other receiver on that roster can do. Well, and let's not forget too that the biggest, the only reason Akeem Butler fell is because of, I mean, I think is because he has sometimes stone hands, and he dropped a ton of balls in, in college. 
if you're picking somebody to go mentor under and somebody who's actually going to be helpful to you and, and try and pass on Hall of Fame lessons, you can't pick anybody better than Larry Fitzgerald. Like, Larry Fitzgerald is not out here trying to win a Super Bowl in Arizona. I mean, he, he has to know that's not happening. Instead, he can help Akeem Butler become a better player. He can work with him. Yeah, yeah. And the opportunity is there out of the gate, too. Christian Kirk, Chad Williams, Kevin White, Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson, Larry Fitz. I mean, it, Akeem Butler could catch 60 balls next year. Yeah, he might be the answer to who leads rookies in receiving yards. But he, I still kind of think that he might be the best out of this class. I just don't have the guts. He was my number one overall period before the draft. You just don't have the guts to take him first overall over Montgomery and Jacobs and, and suffer the short-term pain of looking like a fool. If I had the first overall pick, I'd be trying to trade down. And get Hakeem Butler. Yeah. Okay, I like it. Uh, maybe Hakeem Butler will fall to me at 14, and that I doubt it. You'll probably take him before that. I'm going to take him at six. Oh, okay. He'll be there at oh, that, that makes sense. Unless the people who are in the league listen to this podcast – in which case you will be in trouble. You may have to trade up to get it. They don't. They don't respect my opinions that much. They don't listen to the podcast either. So they, don't, <laughs> they don't respect my podcast. But this is the Punk Six podcast, by the way. Some guy DM me. Oh, last, I love that. DM me last night was like the Punk Six podcast. All my the sharps are giggling at your picks. It's like what, I don't make making picks in the off season. You clown. The sharps um, are listening to our podcast. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. It's great. I hope I, if I if the sharps are fading me and listening to the podcast, that's great. I hope, I hope that's happening. Uh, let's do some beer talk. Um, I've got to, oh my God, am I going to forget about the name of this? So have you ever heard the next time you do a, a East coast trip, you have to get to Richmond, Virginia. Okay. If, if you're in and around Richmond, Virginia, have you ever heard of the Vale brewing? I have not. My God, Heath, this place is unbelievable. They, they put out cans on Tuesday mornings and you can only get like they put out cans and they sell them and it's not cheap, but they, when they run out, they run out. Um, I had a good friend of mine, uh, locally who was able to procure me some veil, the veil. And I picked it up and, um, oh my God, what's the, uh, I forget, I'm forgetting the, the freaking name of it, but it's a triple IPA. And I usually don't like triple. I was like, when I got it, I was like, man, did he really give me the triple IPA? He's all floating the crap on me. Cause I mean, you know, like triple IPAs are usually so hopped up that it's, it's almost to me unbearable to drink. Do, do you okay. agree or disagree? Uh, I love them. Oh, you love triple IPAs? Yes. Well, this one from the Vale, I've got, I've got it in my fridge. I'm going to see if I can reach. I, I can't get over there in time to find out what the name of it is. But um, it tastes like a session IPA. It really? is a is 11% triple IPA, and it tastes like you're drinking a session beer. It is unbelievable. Um, and also all the, they, they make the best IPAs out there right now. And so if you can get to the Vale Brewing in Richmond, I highly recommend it. Any, uh, any, any, anything, I was going to get to BrewDog, but anything else that you've had? I have had so many new and exciting beers in the last month. Nice. I uh, turned 40. Congratulations. In, in April. My daughter went to Total Wine and got me 40 different beers. That's great. And I'd had probably a third of them. Almost all of them were good. There were a couple of them. But almost all of them were good. The one that stood out from that group was a Tweak. Week coffee stout from Avery Brewing Company. Yes, Avery's fantastic. I had never had a beer from Avery. I want to move to Boulder, Colorado now and just live next door. They do an IPA that's like the the guy in the turban. It's like uh, it's a double IPA that only comes in a bomber. I think um, their sours are fantastic. I'm not a big sour guy, but the Tweak Bourbon Barrel it was a Bourbon Barrel aged coffee stout. Sure, 
and it was a Russian Russian Imperial. It was one of the best beers that I've ever had. I also went to Tampa on a beer trip mm. for my birthday and went to 12 breweries in three days and just fantastic. All the cigar, cigar city was cigar city. Of course. Uh, that reminds me, uh, Jace Scott, uh, let's see, no, Jace Scott. I already mentioned Jace Scott who sent me a bunch of dank beer. I've got to, uh, I've got to also mention, um, my buddy podcast listener, Jake Hafner, Actually runs a restaurant and beer up north. I am finding out the name of it. You will appreciate this. Um, you go to, it's Jake Hafner's restaurant and tavern and it is located at 5224 West Taft Road in Syracuse, New York. We have to send Ryan Wilson out on an expedition. Uh, Jake pulled some beers from his stash from his restaurant and sent them to me, Heath. And there's a bunch of IPA, there's a bunch of, uh, New England IPAs. I'll write down some of the names and mention them later in another podcast. I can't get to them right now. They're in the fridge. He included, Heath, a bottle of Canadian breakfast stout. Wow. Yes. He threw CBS in this car. He threw CBS for the CBS guy, the CBS podcast. What a hero Jake Hafner is. You, you know the really weird thing about that, right? I, I can leave here today. Drive to the Total Wine. It's a ten minutes from my, from the office, and, buy, and like, there will be thirty bottles of CBS just sitting there. But you know, but we've been over this, right? It's only because no one in Florida wants to drink stouts. Like, yes, like nobody, nobody wants to drink. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to keep. I have to go buy enough of them just so they'll keep stocking them up. Right, exactly, and they're not cheap either. So, uh, shout out to Jake Hafner. If you are in Syracuse, check out. Jake Hafner's restaurant and tavern. Um, anything else uh, beer related? You want? Uh, we need to do the brew dog thing. Oh, brew dog! God dang! I'm, yeah. So you were, brew, you were uh, saving the MVP. Yeah, I, I even mentioned I was going to say brew dog afterwards. I, I totally spaced. So our friends at Brew Dog sent us a uh, another package, didn't they? Oh my goodness! Mm. The Pulp Patriot I, milkshake, and I had a couple of milkshake IPAs. One that I didn't really care for that much. The Pulp Patriot was fantastic. I had I was kind of taken aback because we got the delivery and I thought the polite thing to do was sample one of each that night. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> we were tweeting about this at James Marks, who works at BrewDog, a podcast listener, a good pal of the show, and um, and he, I did not. What what was where was I going? I was like flying. I was flying to the draft, I think. So I was like leaving early, so I didn't want to get I didn't want to get like wasted. Um, you sampled one of each on the first night, is that right? Yes, Did we, and we, they were all around nine percent. James pointed out he's like, by the way, and I had just said this on the because I was I was prepping, I was doing my last show before we left for the draft, and I was going to drink a beer during it, and I got a Pulp Patriot out of the fridge. I was like, sweet, this looks yeah, this would be great, like a a nice milkshake IPA. And I looked at it, I was like, oh my god, it's nine point five percent. I can't if I drink that now, I'm going to be like like hammered by the time I'm trying to pack and do stuff. So I ended up not drinking it, tried it after the draft. He's right. James is right. It is straight up sessionable. You can't tell it's 9%. Oh, not at all. And then the other one, the, my second favorite from that group was the Coco Psycho. Yes. Which is just delicious. Yeah. Uh, the, what's the, uh, the, the other one we got that, that is the, uh, the, the, it's Wake the Wake What's up that? with a wake up or um, it's other- wake up's very good. And then we got a raspberry milkshake as well. Yeah. The Pulp Patriot raspberry was excellent. I also thought that um, the uh, oh God, I'm just drawing a blank on everything today. What's the, the 16 ounce? They, they, oh, the Hazy Jane. Yes. They moved the Hazy Jane to 16 ounce cans. That's a big winner for me. I mean, it's just it's just a great IPA. It's a staple in my rotation of athletic. Like, because, like, you know, 
if you're an IPA drinker, as you are, you you know that you know you want not like you need that first beer to be special, but like you got a fresh palate. You you don't want to you don't want to drink 17 Coors Lights and then go to a an IPA. Just like you don't want to drink a stout and then go to it. You know what I mean? Like I I cannot remember the last time I had a Coors Light. Uh, I had one. I had a bunch in Nashville, but I like to. I, I'll, if, if I know I'm going to be drinking for an extended period of time, I go Coors Light. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. You're like no, not me. I, I do. I do nine percent IPAs if I'm drinking for an extended period. Of time. The, um, just, just drink a little slower. Yeah. No. I, I. 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 don't. I don't discriminate in my in my drinking speeds. I'm not anti anyone else enjoying them. I was just saying I haven't had one for a long time. Yeah, it's good for you. I should. I should. Um, I should probably drink less. I need to drink more of them as I get to to bathing suit season. This this uh, this IPA bender I'm on is is not going well for my stomach. Um, but I, I would say that. Uh, yeah, everything Brewdog sent was fantastic, which was not a surprise at all. I'm I'm consistently floored, Heath, at how, like, uh, at how cons- like at how high a level each one of their beers is. That's what like, and they're not they're not sponsoring the podcast. They just sent us a bunch of beer. I mean, like, I I you always expect like hits or misses from different breweries. Everything they crank out is is high volume and high quality. It it is fantastic and amazing, and I am going to find a way. As soon as possible to get to the Brewdog Hotel because that sounds like a phenomenal experience. That's our off-season mission: is to convince Eric K to let us podcast at the Brewdog Hotel. And it's like right in between Cincinnati and Cleveland, or at least in the same state. We could go to both. It's a training camp situation. It's a clear Who training. Who doesn't camp. want to go see Baker Mayfield in the Browns? It's the number one story of the off-season. What if you and I? Here's what we'll do, Heath. We will go to the Brewdog Hotel. We will drink one of each beer that they have on tap there. Then. We will race the next morning. You go to Cleveland, I go to Cincinnati, see who gets there first. I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea. And we'll film it, and it'll be like a little reality TV show. All right, yes. Done and done. We got it. Uh, all right, Heath. Always a pleasure, buddy. Talk to you soon. See you.